Hello, I'm Mark McCurgo and welcome to the Village in the City podcast, helping you build micro-local community where you live. Hi everybody, welcome to Village in the City Call 3. But Village in the City is about building micro-local communities uh, as a post-COVID response to improve our lives, to improve the lives of those around us, to build resilience and to build empowerment. And I'm doing that here in the West End of Edinburgh and other people are doing it all over the world. And we are building resources and building a community of village builders together. I'm very excited to welcome for today's call, Richard Lucas. Richard is on our advisory board. He is a social entrepreneur and a TEDx organizer and general whiz at getting people together in all sorts of different ways. And he does that quite a lot in Krakow in Poland, but also in various international settings. And Richard is the guest speaker today, and he's going to be talking about how to get your village off the ground and indeed how to get any kind of volunteer type project, social project started. So, and I know Richard is going to have a poll for us in just a moment. Richard, welcome to the call. Lovely to have you with us. Well, thank you very much, Mark, and thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, It's very important in any event to have a positive atmosphere. So let's start by giving Mark and all of you a round of digital applause. The first thing I'd say is that if you want to get a village going, which is definitely something that I believe is worth doing, um, you have to accept that there's a risk of failure. The, The flip side of success is a risk of failure. There's a risk of failure and there's a certainty that some of the people you talk to will reject your idea and tell you that you're crazy. And you should just clock that. The first thing is like, on the one hand, you're trying to do something that's not been done before in your area. On the other hand, it can be fun and challenging. Um, And certainly some people, you'll get pushback from people who, who either will say at the start, you know, this is a crazy idea and perhaps a couple of years later when you've succeeded say well it was it was an it was just waiting to happen um so so that's one thing is getting the right the right mindset and uh setbacks and adversity in doing things that are worth doing is inevitable another thing, point i want to make is that what um, i don't know if you know the acronym acronym wwf mnn wfy what that means is what works for me may not work for you okay that and it's your village um so don't feel that my advice is like a bible um i'm certainly ready to support and share both during this call and afterwards but it's not it's not inevitable um the idea of a village and how you do it matter Um, the way you do this will have a big impact on your chances of success and this isn't a sales document to persuade you of what um, running a village is like before you kick off it's a really good idea to have a sense of what motivates you what what would success look like for you if, if you're the founder and it might be people wandering down the street who, who you previously ignored each other saying hello to each other it might be that you're passionate about loneliness and social isolation and you want in your community that to be impossible um but you, it needs to work for you i'm so sorry about the typo i i don't like typos in my own doc success obviously is spelt wrong my definition of success includes spelling success successfully so i failed in that but um but will your definition for success inspire others um below you can see a ted circle that's a that was a a ted circle between my home in krakow poland and in tel aviv we had on the other end another circle and i had this great feeling that i'd achieved something i really 
felt was wonderful, bringing two diverse communities. Poland and Israel don't have the easiest history, but somehow through the magic of this TED Circle initiative, we could bring people together. That inspired me. But it's not just for you. You have to think, will your idea of success inspire other people? A village is a community. It's not just about you. And so you need to think about your local community. These are things I snapped as I wandered around. This is mostly from my, my holiday here in Scotland. Um, you see, notice there are community notice boards here that's in Malague near Sky that's in a in a in a supermarket but there's another notice board here if you can see my mouse in Taiwan you always get notice boards and a notice board may be part of what the local community looks like but as you look around your local community you have to sort of think who does what I've also got the cover of a parish magazine from Somerset, where my parents live, in the parish magazine, there's a what goes on in South Petherton. You know, there are lists of things going on, but you don't want to kick off your village without being aware of what else is going on in the village or what's happening already. Because you might have an idea of having a Christmas party, but if it turns out that someone has been organizing a Christmas party for years, they're going to think you're badly informed and you don't know what's going on. So one thing is just use internet research to see who does what, where they're doing it. But also you have to talk to people. Um, as you talk to people about your idea of a village, because the, you will need to get away from your screen and either on the phone or preferably face to face, go out and meet people. If you don't feel you can do that, you probably can't build the village because the village is about people physically meeting. So don't just use email, get on the phone and go and talk to people. Um, and that's a way to start building a team and finding allies. And do avoid this sort of bubble thing that traumatize it not traumatizes uh, get away from the idea of just being plus people like us that you might be a tedx organizer and hang out with people who are into ted and tedx but you need to talk to the youth club the church the humanists the atheists the dog lovers the ecologists i mean you you probably have a limit of people you don't want to talk to based on the village manifesto because we all want to be inclusive and include people but it's a great opportunity to get outside your comfort zone because you need to think like who have you got and remember that the most community-minded positive people on your street may be involved in things that aren't local they might be part of the city football team they might be part of amnesty international they might be a they might be part of the the bird watchers but the the proactive people in your community maybe will almost always be like a concentric circle they'll have other interests but you want to find out what they're into to see what you can bring from their walks of life into your into your village and vice versa as you see what's going on look for venues note where things are happening i i think i snapped there's a workshops going on in a, a hub somewhere uh, there's a church room this is just in the village i was walking through yesterday but you need to figure out where you can meet it might be as simple as a cap a cafe um the next thing i would strongly say think about an event your even if you don't have a you might your event might be three weeks away three months away say you want to get people together 
and it's a kind of meta meeting your your first event because what you're doing is saying this is an event where we're going to talk about what we're going to do it's like it's a an event where we're going to discuss at our event what our goals are and if you want to build community if you can just make that a regular habit at some level you've succeeded but the fact that you're going to be organizing something down the line gives you the excuse to go and talk to people and depending on who they are they might be a community leader a local policewoman they might be a, a youth group leader you can say perhaps you'd like to say something at our event or perhaps you'd like to contribute somehow but because you're having an event it's so much better to go to people saying i'm inviting you i'm inviting you to speak Another thing is don't be worried if you only get three people showing up. I've organized events to which a thousand people have come and I've organized events to which no one's come apart from me. Like if more than one person comes, it's, it's great. And you have to be aware of the fact that a lot of people will be waiting to see what it's like before they decide to come. So you have to, on the one hand, create the impression that everyone's coming, but internally not think that it's that important it may be more important for the people who show up than for you but you have to sort of get this sense that you're bringing people together for something that's slightly bigger than just you and them if three people show up praise them don't say oh no only three people showed up you say great it's three people have shown up and um you definitely need to be looking to agree some actions coming out of talking to people uh, Randy may know this, that I organize events before TED events around the world. And if you have an event three or four weeks or months away, you can build community in planning the event that in fact, the people who you would expect to come to your event, you say, would you like to come to my event? Uh, Mark, Jenny, Leah, Nick, um, Paul, these are the names I can see. If they say, yes, it's a great idea. You say, well, look, in a week's time, we're going to have a quick call, a quick meeting to talk about what our event is about. So your preparation for the event can be part of the community building process and that is something that I found I've had three or four um, I had three or four calls before an event that was a first-time event and the calls became a community building exercise and I don't know if you can see here that's a Google form um, on the left and the right you can if you send out you're dropping leaflets you're ringing on doorbells you're calling people up always be ready to send them a link to something where they can sign up and there's this great question you can always put on any form how can you help and you've no idea how people can help but you have to get across the sense that um, this isn't you laying on something for everyone else this is a joint effort where you're asking everyone how they can contribute um, in terms of what your kickoff event should look like um, this is from uh, something I founded for Cambridge University which was uh, four years ago I started a, a something called Cam Entrepreneurs um, and that was to support business and social alum social entrepreneurship among current current uh, alumni current students and others which in fact means everyone but it's important to have like at the beginning it's a great idea to have informal networking you register people you slap a sticky label badge on them and you welcome them so it doesn't matter if people are slightly late because the first half hour is a soft start then you have introductions and welcome and if you say, say you've got 10 or 15 people in the room you say right I want everyone just to stand up say who they are what they do why they've come and how they can contribute and that 
actually can turn into a fascinating part of the meeting. That kind of, that's what I call the open coffee introduction, the, the open, where you just say, everyone in the room, just say why you've come. And you may be horrified that someone says, I want to deal with the drug gang in number four on your street. I mean, at least you, it might not be why you're meeting, but it's a good thing to know. But what you're looking for is areas of common concern and interest, which can become your first things that you're working on. Obviously, you have a chance to present what your village in the city idea is, what your vision is. But also, you can, maybe you might have a guest speaker, but I would keep it very open. Make the participants in your first meeting the primary part of the content. Make it all about them talking about what they want and have introduce housekeeping rules that you encourage people to take ownership of the things they're suggesting they they're, they're suggesting the village should do in terms of activities i won't read these out um these are potential things that you might want to do i wrote village fate that's an old british tradition but distinguish between one-off events once a year event towards things that are more regular i wouldn't go i mean you might want to have a christmas party a summer fair but that's you can't build a community around once a year so look for regular things maybe a monthly coffee morning it could be meet the dustman it could be inviting a local councillor in or you, you you might have a dog walking club a newcomer club i'm not going to tell you what it should be i'll share this afterwards but you need to have ideas that everyone enough people want to work on that you can work together on that thing and i like i put projects it could be have let's have a street notice board let's have an anti-graffiti initiative let's clean up the the park um do the flower beds uh fight litter something like that um uh, final final tips and tricks um you don't need money you absolutely don't need money. Some people assume the first thing you have to do is fundraise. You can meet in a cafe, you can meet in a pub, you don't need money. Don't get distracted by fundraising. But do remember cost-benefit analysis. Do things that are cheap and easy. Don't try and put up a new community hall. The dog walking is cheaper than a building. Make your meetings fun and social. If people enjoy coming to meetings, they'll come back. If they don't, if you make them boring, no one will come. So don't, or the wrong people will come. Um, get people talking about what they want to do um encourage people who suggest ideas to lead on them and uh, remember the the good leader follows their troops and the idea of the easy wins be looking looking out for things that you can say you're succeeding on doing don't be too ambitious at the start do simple things um get the contact details of everyone who signs up eventbrite is great for this but you know you, a facebook event where you just have people clicking to join will be really hard to track. So you need to get people's contact details. Um, write your meeting summary before your first meeting and then just fill in the blanks because you're creating an impression of your organizational skills right from the start. You never have a second chance to make a first impression. So you're going to send an email out to everyone there with like who's, who's going to do what by when. Embrace rejection, as I said. If someone says your idea is absolutely terrible, a lovely passive aggressive thing to do is say, that's so kind of you to say that. That's so useful because I, I, I can only get better on rejection. Thank you so much. Um, could you go into more detail of what you think we should be doing instead? And you can expect some rejection. Um, and remember that if you have more than one person, you're, you're succeeding. Um, I strongly encourage you to 
um, to get building on your villages. I hope this has been useful. By the way, I've set up 35, business and, 35 businesses and two thirds of them have died. Um, I've, set up, I've set up literally more than 10 nonprofit type organizations and some of them are thriving, others don't. You can't guarantee success, but if you don't try, you'll never know. And, I, and if possible, I will come and visit you in your villages at some stage in the next five years. So I, I hope you invite me. The call moved on to questions and comments from the audience and the first comment up was from Randy Bretz in the Russo neighborhood of Lincoln, Nebraska. I have a comment. Uh, Richard is, as is, is, I've known him very thorough in his planning and his uh, analysis. And as he went through, uh, have a plan in mind, uh, do an environmental analysis, uh, host a, sh a starting event and all of these things, I kept thinking, well, what I have here in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, broke all of those rules. It just kind of organically happened. But that is, I think, incredibly unusual. Uh, so Richard, I just want to say I appreciate the, uh, the, the good thought that you've shared. And if I ever start another village, I'll certainly follow these, these guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, um, one thing I'd comment about, so getting to know what's going on in your local community, this is a standard consulting methodology. You start by assessing the current situation. You know, you mm -hmm. can't, you need to know where you're starting from. And you might be in a very poor area with huge social problems. You might be in a prosperous middle class street where money is not, not a problem. So you have to tailor your, your community activities to your, your, your specific local local conditions and there's simply uh, there's a, a great charity called hand in hand which formed village self-help groups in the developing world and they always started by making a self-help group where they just discussed how things are now and how they were some time ago to get a sense of change what was changing negatively and what was changing what was going up and what was going down because this the understanding of the problems the community had was the driving force to what kinds of collective action they could take to solve the problems so just sort of getting a sense of your current community is and i think it's a good idea in general but this is an excuse to do that jonah is that a question hi yes thank you for that really inspiring input really enjoyed it really interested in your thoughts on how you define your village because i think you know a village village if you like has clear boundaries i think a village in a city i'm just curious as to as to thoughts i've, I've got some but just curious as to, to thoughts as to yeah how you how you define your village I'm, I'm going to let mark take the majority of that but i was thinking about this as well and thinking that certainly you'd want your village to have guests that the, a village shouldn't be an island or a sort of a fortress so you know you might have someone from another part of your city where there's no village who who's really keen on the idea and wants to help you and it would be lunatic to say no <laughs> you can't come to our village events and so i mean you could have like honorary villager or something like that but you know in common sense but i think mark in the manifesto it says about walking distance doesn't it is yeah. that one of them yeah so i think a really it's a great question Shona. and i think you can walk across it in 10 minutes as a starting point. It's not the finishing point. It can be as little as one street, as Randy has, has proved. 
uh, or it might be a kind of identifiable patch, you know, of, of a village, or it might just be you declare your street and the streets around you to be a, a place because you feel that it, there's something interesting and valuable that you want to connect with the people there. And uh, I think it's, it, you know, we shouldn't be too constrained about this. But the thing is, it, it's smaller rather than bigger. You know, a bigger village is not necessarily a better village, in my view. Some, some very effective communities can be very small because they're tight, people know each other, you can engage easily, uh, and so on. Um, so here in the West End of Edinburgh, uh, for example, where I am, uh, we can walk across our village in about 10 minutes, but there are, there are several thousand people who live in that patch. It's pretty closely, densely populated. Um, but I think if, it, if, it, if you're talking about needing to get on a bus from one end to the other, then that's probably, <laughs> probably more than one village. <laughs> Uh, is, is, that, is that a sort of helpful start? Really helpful, yes, thank you very much. Jenny has a question and then Nick. No, it was a comment really on that very thing, that it's amazing how many relatively small areas have names already. And when we lived in London, we were amazed to have heard that there are 600 plus recognisable names of villages in London. And in this city, Edinburgh, every bus stop has got a name. So there are names or, you know, there are names <laughs> and that may help to define in some way or even parts of the bus route what you're talking about. Nick, did you have a... Yeah, mine's a bit of an observation as well. Uh, I've been talking to the people in Edmonton, Alberta about what they've done in their um, abundant community, Alberta, set up. Um, and they actually designed the city so that it, they were suburbs that were deemed to be village sized that had their own shops and you could walk across them. And so they've actually purpose built a city to match how they'd want to try and people identify in neighborhoods, which I thought was marvelous. Um, my, my challenge is that I'm trying to do things for a postcode, uh, which is a town of 20,000 people. Um, but recognizing, I think within that, they're probably gonna be six or seven villages um, because there's a council estate where the people on that estate will recognise each other as being part of a neighbourhood uh, and then there's a housing estate up the hill at the other end of town which wouldn't recognise them and I think we just have to recognise although I'm trying to do something on the scale of a town within it we're going to have to have cells or villages whatever we call them or neighbourhoods which will identify with each other much better and yeah, so I, I think, think that's in, that's that's for me is quite important to juggle the tension between the two. We want to do something on a town-wide um, initiative, but recognise people will identify with their neighbourhoods. And even within the H26, we've had to set it up so that people outside the H26 can get involved because the postcode doesn't naturally fit within um, what the community boundaries are either. Um, so we've had to. We've had to do that in order to get government funding, ironically, and define that we are EH26, but it won't stop us from having friends, associates, whatever names we choose for them from people outside who are interested I, I, in what we're doing. I think another, another concept of d definition is also to do with time, that you, know, you quite often get older people who uh, own their houses and a lot of younger professionals who are, uh, who are in some sense transient, who are renting. So they, they might be passing through your community and, and it's really I'd say it's a really important idea to have a sense of like a newcomer's role, that if people are new on your street, they, they can be a member of your community 
both from the moment they've arrived, but also perhaps some kind of alumni sense that someone who came from your street and is coming back, you know, they might be coming back at Christmas or coming back at certain times of year, there might be a sense of a diaspora of your street and there might be someone coming back who could contribute something or share something and it might be a mentoring or, you know, I, I, it's hard to say what it would be, but if you can make it not just geographical but temporal i think one of the beauties of this is the chance of intergenerational communication you get a lot of young younger people who come from fairly troubled families and a lot of older people who are quite lonely and you know there's a potential and you know you can get too ambitious but even if you get one teenager befriending one old, older person or vice versa that's a huge win for those two people and you know that that's a sort of serendipitous thing that can happen once you get people together and you know for each project you need someone who kind of owns it who says yeah i'll take care of monitoring that one but it just depends what people in your community want to happen joan has asked a question in the chat richard how do you make sure you don't exclude people she asks here some work nine to five others work evenings and come home at one in the morning and sleep all morning it's a highly popular i think that's that flats I think that's a, that's a great question, and I would say that um, although I've emphasised the importance of um, on face-to-face uh, -face as opposed to online, is one of the, your research of what's going on should include online groups, other meetup groups, other Facebook groups for your area. Quite often there are. I I discovered when I started looking into this, and um, so obviously if it's online, people can come together, and then I think it's you have to think about time of day the open coffee cracker meetings i run meet between eight and nine in the morning with the idea of it's before people go to work um but i would say have a mixture of different types of events at different times of day and you know the when i started my alumni group for cambridge university I, i'm 54 years old i was 50 then i was by far the youngest person involved and you know i was told that <laughs> i was told this was meant to be not meant to be it had become old old men, grey-haired men in suits, meeting during working hours to watch the boat race or the rugby, drinking sherry. So it was obviously for retired people. And you know, I think that once the first step to solving a problem is to diagnose it, and if it's important for you in your village to address that, then you just have to, you know, certainly have the ability to. Um, register online and then have an onboarding process. If you're the leader, you chat to each person who signs up, get to know them, say, well, who are you? And if they say, I work nights, you say, well, when would, you know, what, what sort of meeting would you be able to come to? And then you could even organize it around them um, if you've got the energy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, uh, Richard. My own story about starting up here, I, I, um, followed Richard's advice unwittingly and had a look round and I f there, and I found a Facebook group with 19 people in it called West End Local Residents and joined and made some useful contributions and then went and had a chat to the guy who set it up last year and we decided to leaflet the whole neighbourhood to say there's a Facebook group and we now have 550 members uh, that's as of uh, you know in the last month so lots of demand for that. The other thing I did was find allies, which is what uh, Richard mentioned. So not only the guy who ran the Facebook group, and I now I help him run the Facebook group, but also one of the traders, one of the shopkeepers here, 
who runs a shop called Paper Tiger, which sells lovely stationery and things. Uh, he delivered something to me just before lockdown and we had a little chat on the doorstep. And I, so I contacted him and he was very, very keen. And, to, and he's been in business for over 20 years in our area and he knows everybody. So he was very keen as well. And so between the Facebook group and uh, the, Michael, the Paper Tiger Man's connection with the local traders, I mean, you know, we've got some ins and we're now starting to look, looking to organize an open weekend where we get the locals talking to the traders by locals wearing badges saying, I'm a West Ender. And yeah. uh, the shop's offering a little sort of free biscuit with your coffee or something like that. And the way of getting people talking to each other. In terms of getting the word out, certainly putting up a notice on, you know, if there is a community notice board, the person who runs it should be a good person to talk to. And there's probably a key and a, a phone number of who you have to talk to. But, but even if you don't have a date, say you want to have a startup meeting about village in the, wherever you are, about getting our village in the city going, giving your email address or your phone number, but also having a leaflet that's a copy of the poster and even ringing on doorbells as you put it through. And if you're a bit nervous, if you've got a friend, go with your friend. And you know, people will be so relieved that you're not some kind of crazy, I don't want to be prejudiced, but a salesman of a product, salespeople for a product you don't want to buy, or you know, some, you know, you're, you're actually inviting people. So it's it's everything. It's it's um there isn't one way to do it online, face to face making allies, getting the word out. But I'll, I'll, there are, there are, I could talk for a while about that, but I think it's probably not the best use of time to go into too much detail. So we have Nick first, and then just very, yeah, just very briefly to say, as on a call, the Zoom call this morning, we're deciding what to do next. We've got an overarching vision for what we want Pedicook to be as a flourishing community, and we're going to hold a celebration event for all the people that have volunteered during the lockdown to recognise what they've been doing. 
and to use that event on the back of that to actually launch the vision and to invite people to say what can they offer if they haven't offered something already. Wonderful. That's a very nice idea, Nick. Thank you. Yeah. But if I if I might jump in and then I have to run, uh, I read about a woman in in uh, another city that started a little gratitude tree, and she put a box out with some tags in it, put some string in a tree, and said, "Write down what you're what you're happy or what you're what you're thankful for." And people uh, wrote a lot of notes and hung them in the tree. And so it's just a uh, an informal way of, of inviting people to share positive things in life. That's a great idea, Andy. Thank you. I, I think a volunteer appreciation event, we did that was a TEDx Kashmir. My TEDx, we did that. Uh, we've done that three times. And it's a great way to like get together with positive people because the sort of people who are involved in volunteering are exactly the sort of people who will potentially help you and just saying you know we want to appreciate you maybe there's a nurse or there's a, a key worker on your street and just like giving them award giving them i, I think there's there's huge value in that so i think that's a great idea as a as a potential kickoff activity I experienced on the weekend the, the power of um, being nudged into doing something in a community. <laughs> and uh, if you're not in the mood for it, sometimes you need a little bit of a nudge or someone to say, oh, why don't, why don't you do it? So naming the person. Um, but sometimes, you know, you need these little catalysts like that. And, and uh, most people, I find, will go for it. So... Uh, especially if um, there are 50 pairs of eyes on them. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's not, it's, um, it's just another little sort of way to get people involved who might want to be involved, but they, they don't have the, the um, courage or something. Uh, yeah, I, I think understanding leadership, Mark's written a great book called Host Leadership, but I, I started companies without having any knowledge of leadership. And it's only over time that, I've understood how important it is. And leadership is getting other people to work willingly together to a common goal. So you need to define your goals. And like you, you know, I think the world is on your side if you're trying to build a village. You know, it's, you're not trying to do anything. That, but like, as Adrian said, you need to sometimes nudge people. Different people are motivated by different things. Maybe having a newsletter and saying, thank you, Adrian, for your cakes or whatever it was. Just like appreciation, saying thank you, but making people visible. It, it can really change their change their lives and um and so be generous in your praise and if you're annoyed with people have it as a one-on-one -on -one, not in a zoom call like never lose your temper in a meeting lose your temper after the meeting and you oh, by the way that's one thing you will find there are some disruptive toxic people who can poison your village you need to isolate them and it's a very tricky and i can give some mentoring on that another time but you need to look out for time wasters people who want to change the agenda say well if we're not going to talk about global warming i'm not going to come and they start disrupting you know they have and i'm not saying we shouldn't talk about global warming but you need to be careful about people who try to hijack your village to their cause that it can be a subgroup so you know as well as getting the right people in the room you need to have your limits of what's not acceptable as well thanks richard other questions jane hello i'm interested in that because how do we you know one of the beauties of people knowing their neighbors is that 
if they do find they've got mutual interests, they can go away and talk about climate change or whatever. But I get what you're saying about you want to keep the village and the city as the main positive thing. And I really get that people can be really toxic because, or, or that there can be group dynamics. You know, in the, there's a thing, a theory about forming, storming, norming. So there's naturally going to be some conflict. But I don't know, how do you do that without being quite dictatorial? You know, how do you keep on the focus on the initial stages? And how do you say to people, well, if you want to start that up and three and four of you want to do that, but, you know, our focus here is this. Because I don't think you can, I don't think you can forbid things. No. I, I, and I've got a theory of meeting manipulation. If you have the list of things that you think are really important, and that the, these are things that you, that's the reason you started the village. If you keep those objectives in mind, and any time anyone in a meeting says things in line with your objectives, you say, you put that in the meeting summary. And if someone comes up with, well, let's have a field trip to, you know, <laughs> Land's End or John O'Groats, you say, you say, Susan, that's a brilliant idea. Or not a brilliant idea. That's, if you can make that happen, that's great. You don't forbid it, but you just say, you know, I'm, we need to focus on things locally. So... You know, we can have a field trip if you can lead it and other people want to go. I'm not going to, I said, absolutely. And just in your briefing, you just say, you know, the main thing is don't expect me to organize your things for you. I'm here to support your things. And if you've got projects I can help with, that's great. But I, I think it's, you're absolutely right. Don't be dictatorial and forbid it, but just come back to your core objectives and keep those center stage and you know I, I, I it can be tricky and sometimes you know anyone who's led anything knows knows about difficult people <laughs> they exist yeah and the part of the reason I'm interested in that was when somebody asked do you have rules at a previous meeting somebody said oh we hadn't needed them in our neighborhood but i live in a neighborhood where a lot of the disputes get set settled with baseball bats so you know little conflicts between the children fighting your child pulled my child's hair can end up there's a man who's been brain damaged by a, a baseball attack because of that kind of incident unraveling locally so for me, we need to have some kind of safety mechanisms yes. because conflict yes. can get nasty. I mean, one thing that I can show you, which might be, I'm just seeing if it, this is from a, a TED Circle meeting. That if you've got a projector or slides, like it's worth at the start of every meeting talking about your code of conduct and your housekeeping rules. Just so that, you know, here we're in a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational group. And, and, you know, it may be you know there's an issue that's really hot and difficult in your community. So you don't focus on that. And it might be racism. It might be hostility to some groups or whatever you say that in this meeting, we, we want people to be patient tolerant and supportive you know and just say you set the tone and you just have to say what you say put it in your facebook group say it at the start of every meeting and you can't you can't stop people but it's a good idea to like just keep banging banging away in our community our street is a welcoming street you know just you can't say it too often and you know if there are people who say look well let's keep out all the people from poland you say well actually no <laughs> if there's some from poland in this room you're welcome <laughs> and you know then you're leading because then people will come up to you after and say joan i'm so glad you said that you know that needed to be said <laughs> you know and if the people who don't want visitors from other countries in your street realize that they're not part of your village in the city community 
that was a line that needed to be drawn. So sometimes you do have to be brave and challenge people, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that thoroughly, Richard. One of the things that marks out a, a village in the city, as opposed to, let's say, a sort of climate change group, is that it's inclusive and it should be aiming to involve everyone. And that means, yes, you, have, you can have a climate change to the subgroup, but you also need to involve the, gas the owner of the gas guzzler who doesn't give a monkeys about climate change yet because it is by being part of a group that they will maybe find out and, and, and become more educated and whatever. So, so yes, we want, we want the climate change people, but not at the cost of the other people. And yeah. so that's in a big picture sense, you know, if we're having different sorts of things, and that's the power of these things like summer parties and Christmas, Christmas fairs and everything. It is the sort of thing you can invite everybody to. Uh, it's not a sort of strongly cause-based thing. It's a strongly place-based thing. And I think there's a scope for, for both of these things uh, in, in a village in the city. So many, many thanks to Richard for being our guest for today, to all of you for coming along. And uh, uh, I hope we'll see you again next time and uh, somewhere along the road. So thanks, everyone. And uh, Thank good you. luck with your village building. Thank you. Thank you now. Bye. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Great call. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Village in the City. You can find out lots more about the project, how to put your village on the map, resources, connections, podcasts, video sessions, and lots more at our website, villageinthecity.net. Villageinthecity, all one word, .net, where you can also join our online community. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time on Village in the City. I'm Mark McCurgo. Cheers for now.